is a winding road No telling where it goes Driving through days and nights Won't stop for traffic lights All right, and hello everyone. It is a, I was going to say beautiful Thursday, but kind of gray and cloudy, but still we'll, we'll look for the glimmers in that. It's still pretty, it's not raining yet. So happy Thursday to everyone who is watching this live. If you're listening to this on the podcast platform, happy whatever day it is, wherever you're at at this moment. Today, I am joined by fellow autism mama, Shannon, and I am not going to try to say your last name. I know you told me what it is, and I thought I had it, and I don't now. So you can tell everybody okay. your last name. <laughs> it's, it's Shannon Urfiola. Okay. You know what? That was kind of my guess. I remember when you told me how to say it. This is how my brain works. I was like, oh, it reminds me of Urkel. Did you ever watch? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, and I'm sorry if that offends you, but that was how I no, my no, brain. No, no, I, I have had this last name for a very long time, and I always spell it. No one knows how to say it, so you're not alone. All right. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that makes me feel just a little bit better. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about unplanned journeys and just transforming chaos into confidence. And like I mentioned a few minutes ago, Shannon is also an autism mom. And for all of you autism parents out there or caregivers, uh, you know firsthand that this journey into autism, no, nobody planned it. We didn't have like a sign up sheet. It just kind of like boom you were there and we've had to kind of figure it out along the way. And there's a lot that goes into that. And I know if you've listened to this show for a while, you've heard me do a few episodes here and there just on kind of my own journey and a few guests I've had on, but it is a journey and you're always learning. And my guy's 14 now. So we're in the teenage years, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> so, yeah. so and your, your son's older. I can't remember. You said he was in his twenties, right? Yeah. He's 27 now. Okay. So can you kind of share with us um, your personal journey kind of into this world? And I know your brand name, not your average autism mom, kind of tells us a little bit kind of about your personality, which I love, first of all. I know when we talked, we talked for like a really long time we did. We did. and we really clicked. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Jordan was diagnosed 22 years ago. And I think, you know, one of the most important things that I always tell people is, you know, when Jordan was diagnosed 22 years ago, the numbers were one in 158. Now the number is one in 35. Yep. So the number is not going anywhere. It's only getting, you know, m more. And, um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Obviously, I think there's, you know, a lot more people that are seeking diagnosis and things like that. But when Jordan was diagnosed, I literally knew nothing about autism. I had never heard about autism. You know, one of the things that I talk about is I was 28 when I had Jordan. So I had lots of friends who were already well on their motherhood journey when I had him and still no one's life had been impacted by autism. So my family knew nothing. I knew nothing. And back then, you know, I think we may have had dial up internet, but we, you know, the Google wasn't there. We didn't have all the resources that, you know, thankfully are available today. And so I read books. Like I got every book that I could ever find. And I, I talk about often, I ended up picking up a book um, called Eating an Artichoke by an author named Echo Fling. And I literally felt like I was reading the story of my life. Like everything that I was going through at that time with Jordan, 
Uh, Jordan was, his motor skills were very delayed. He did not walk until he was 12 months. I mean, he didn't crawl until he was 12 months. He didn't walk until he was 18 months. And, you know, it's funny. I think that I am thankful that he was my first because my daughter who came two years after him, you know, she was running at 10 months. So if I would have had her first, I think I would have been probably way more freaked out than I was. Um, and so I knew that there were, you know, there, something was going on. Um, but diagnoses back then, they were not, uh, they didn't want to give diagnoses at a young age back then. Back then, I was just telling somebody the other day on another podcast that I did. Um, back then, they said, we don't like to give diagnoses until they're nine. Yeah. Now, thankfully, I did get a diagnosis through a neuropsychologist when he was five. Uh, but it was PDD NOS before that. And, you know, Jordan's biggest struggles have always been socially. He is, uh, you know, he struggles in social situations. He's 27 now. He's never had a real friend, you know. Um, I am his guardian and caregiver, so he will, you know, be with me. That's the plan now. Who knows what that will look like in five or ten years. I do tell people because, one of the things that was really discouraging for me all the way was people telling me, you know, pretty much once he's 18, like, that's it. It's as good as it's going to get. And I tell people, Jordan has had more growth in his 20s than he ever did. Teenage years were hell. I'll just tell you. They were terrible. Terrible. He, he had negative behaviors. School was a nightmare, which when he was in third grade, I... I had been in the beauty industry for 20 years and traveled internationally and did lots of stuff. But I realized at that point that he was going to need more. He was going to need more of me and I needed to be home. And so I got into educational advocacy because I knew if he was going to get what he needed in school to be successful, I needed to figure it out. I had been in so many meetings that I left, you know, crying in the parking lot not knowing what they were talking about. You know, I, I have told a story that when he was first started kindergarten, like I had spent months worrying about him going to kindergarten, right? Thinking there's no way he's never going to make it. And they just pushed and pushed that they wanted him in a mainstream classroom. And you're talking one in 32 kids. And I'm like, there's no way. And literally within, you know, I, I think it was the first day or the second day, they called me and said, um, you know, we don't think that this is the right placement for him. Well, at that point, Maria, I, I had no idea what that meant. Like, yeah, sending him away somewhere. Like, what does this mean? Um, and so I really got into educational advocacy and learned everything that I could learn about special education so that he could get exactly what he needed to be successful. And I, you know, I tell parents all the time, listen, if your child is going to need additional services in school, you have to understand special education. Unless you're in homeschool, you have to understand it because if you don't, they're not going to get what they need. And so that's kind of where, you know, I got my start within advocacy and and making sure, you know, and with a last name like mine, trust me, everyone in the school and district knew who I was. So if my name showed up somewhere, they were like, oh no, that's not Shannon. But, I mean, we ended up having a very good team, and he made it through school, uh, but it wasn't easy. 
you know, teenage years, puberty, all that stuff is, that is not an easy time. And, you know, I tell parents today, listen, just know that the challenges that you're going through are a season and it's going to be something different in three months or six months. It never stays the same. No, absolutely. I, well, and I think that a lot of people who aren't kind of boots on the ground in the autism world, like with their own child, or they're not a caregiver for a, a autistic individual, they've heard, you know, little kind of snippets on, you know, certain um, things that, you know, are challenges in that world. But, you know, I always like to talk about some of the things you don't really hear much about. And and I started talking about this from my own journey because my my autistic child was my fifth out of seven. So by the time you have your fifth child, you think you have this parenting thing down. Like right. this is just, you know, a down pad. I can do this blindfolded, you know, and then it wasn't the same. And, you know, to kind of add a little bit extra to that, my first four children were from my first marriage. My younger three are from my second marriage. So this was mine and my current husband's our first child together. So that was also a challenge is to say, okay, well, there's something different. And, you know, of course my husband was like, well, all kids are different. Well, yeah, all, all kids, all kids are different. So it was this, this challenge, right? And so you have that layer of challenge and then you can have other siblings. Like, I don't know how many years apart are your daughter and your son? Two. two. So, and, and that's another thing I don't hear talked about a lot are these siblings of the autistic individual, because obviously autism requires all the time, <laughs> all the time. There's no scheduling or planning for that a lot of times. And there's challenges to that. Jealousy. And the whole family, right? it, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I always say that I can't imagine not having my son. He's taught me so much about life and, and the world and just people and myself like i look at life differently because of him yeah. but that doesn't mean that there aren't dark days right there that, that doesn't mean there aren't days where uh, it, it's a struggle and you know i do like to say that because i don't like the whole glitters and rainbows no. thing um because it is life very is much 50, 50, right? absolutely absolutely that's what i tell people look you know everything that i do in coaching and all the things like it's not about you know um positive thinking and quoting mantras and all of that. It's not about that because you're going to have good and you're going to have really hard. And um, yeah, I think the sibling dynamic, it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, I, through many of the years, uh, their father and I divorced when they were just three and five. So they were very young. Uh, and so I was a single parent for a long time. We co-parented together, but you know, they lived with me primarily. And so I had a lot of the things behind closed doors. And I remember, like, I never, I never forced their relationship, right? That was one thing, like, I always wanted to make sure that Madison had her own friends and her own, created her own self outside of our house. And I think that was really important. And looking back now, like, she told me, mom, listen, there's a lot of dysfunctional families in the world and i just want you to know that even though you and dad divorced like i don't feel like i grew up in a dysfunctional family and for me that's huge right because i yeah. felt like i failed day in and day out but no, at 25, you know she i have really seen i think because i didn't force that relationship right i didn't 
um, she was part of our world. She was a softball player. And so we spent a lot of time at softball fields and Jordan was in tow, but you know, he was never engaged in the activities. You know, he never like, you know, watched her play, let's just say. Um, and I think for that reason, as she's gotten older, they've spent a lot more time together in their twenties mm-hmm. and they, they are building a relationship. And it's amazing for me as mom to watch them engage and, and build a relationship. That's awesome. It's, now is your, your son's verbal, right? He I is. I thought, I thought he's so. He's not conversational. Yeah. <laughs> I always say that. Yes, he's verbal. He can talk. He can tell me what he wants. If he could talk to one person for the rest of his life, it would be me. Yeah. Yeah. Just as soon not talk to anyone else. Um, but yeah, he, he can speak. He just doesn't. I was telling somebody the other day, still at 27, he would never come home and be like, mom, you're never going to guess what happened today at program. You know, the bus got hit on the way to eat lunch. Like if that happened, I would never know unless yeah. somebody told me. Yeah. Which that could be said for a lot of males out there yeah. anyway, because my son that is not on the spectrum is exactly like that. I have to rely on getting all the information from his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's sometimes just like a thing that happens with the, with a lot of the boys. And it's, it's funny just how different, I mean, kids are different. Like all kids are different. And of course, within the spectrum, it's a spectrum for a reason. And it's funny just watching how my son has matured and grown, because if you would have asked me back when he was four or five or six, what we would kind of be on a journey like now, it's not where we're at. You know, he's luckily been able to really excel and add a lot of skills that he didn't. I mean, we were delayed, you know, on them, but we've come a long way on a lot of those things. And it's been, you know, um, it's been amazing to watch actually, and giving me kind of hope that, you know, if, me and my husband are no longer around that at least on some level he would be able to care for himself because that's another thing that people don't talk about you know what happens when mom and dad are no longer around you know those are things that a very hard subject it is so it's a very hard subject and there are you know i have been looking at i actually went and toured a um a facility in uh, in south of georgia that is amazing. It's called Annandale Village and it's Mm. for, you know, adults with special needs and it's an incredible place. But many of these places are very, very expensive. And that's a, you know, that's a huge barrier for families because, you know, when you're paying a mortgage and, you know, both of you are working and like, you know, we're getting by, I mean, and, and I think that planning for something like that is so important and we just had a guest in our membership who talked about planning for your special needs child and I think you know so many of us don't think about that and we do but it's not something that we want to bring to the forefront right because we don't know the answer we don't know what it's going to look like and I like what you said like when he was four or five it's your life doesn't look now like you thought it would and I think that's so important because I always tell families listen you don't know. You don't know what they're going to do. They're on their own timeline. They're going to gain their own strengths at their own timeline. You know, I have people ask me all the time, you know, do you think my child's going to be with me when he's 27? Well, he's five. Like, we don't know. No idea. Please don't think that your journey is going to be my journey because that's definitely not the case. There are plenty 
of children on the spectrum that grow up and go to college programs and have careers and things like that. So I think it's one of the things that I really preach to our moms is be present right now. Like, what do you need right now? What do they need right now? And worrying about the future isn't going to change it. No. No, I agree. I mean, there, there's there's something to be said for planning some things, of course, like right. I mentioned earlier, um, right. just care or whatever would need to happen. But yeah, you can't get lost in that. And honestly, that was my gut feeling the whole time, because whenever we had, you know, uh, him, you know, whenever we, he started showing kind of some signs, I kept taking him to you know, doctors, you know how you do like the whole thing for feels like. And finally, we had like a name. And I'm not big on like over diagnosing, but I still wanted like I needed like a focus like this is what we're dealing with that way I can try to fill in what he needs because of course, you know, as a parent, I loved him I wanted the best for him. So I needed to figure out what are we dealing with here. So we finally had this name and it's like, okay, but unfortunately, a lot of the doctors I dealt with after that, it was very much well, he'll never, 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 never. And that just bothered me because I'm like sitting here. I'm like, he's four and a half like. He's never going to do ever, you know, so I mean, I love how you mentioned earlier about, you know, teaching moms to be advocates for their child educationally, even medically, just advocates, right? Because you have to be because I can tell you, you know, that I can tell you just different times I've had to deal with them wanting to give him a communication device when he was younger, because he only said like one or two words and I wouldn't do it, you know, because my thing was, is he says one or two words. So if I give him a communication, he doesn't want to talk to you. So if I give him a communication advice, he is never going to talk to you, you know, and I think it's little things like that. My own gut feelings as a mom and maybe the next person, their gut feeling was like, I need to give this to him, you know, but I think that's the beauty of it is that we need to make sure that we're speaking up for what our child needs because we're with them every single day. We know them better than anyone. No one knows your child better than you. Trust that mama gut. That's what I say. And, you know, like you're talking about the communication device. You know, we have a mom in our membership whose son got a communication device and he is, his language is exploding. You know, it's really taking off. And so again, it's try this, try that try this, what's working, because what works for one of us isn't going to work for everyone. No, not at all. You don't know unless you try. And that's the, I think that's also the beauty of having kind of a group of people. Cause again, nobody understands the world of autism, like another autism mom, because I can talk to some of my other friends who are her moms and I mean, they'll understand some things, but some things they'll never understand. You know, it's, it's a different language. And when I'm talking about autism, that's actually how I explain it to people is that, you know, autistic individuals speak another language. And, you know, I've spent 14 years now learning his language and he spent 14 years learning my language and we're at where we're at at this moment. And I think that was, that helped me understand it, that it wasn't something quote unquote wrong. It was just, he innately spoke the language of autism and I, I didn't naturally, I had to learn it. And, you know, that was a big, a big thing, but I, I want to circle to just, just you because, um, as moms, like we're, we tend to put ourselves on the back burner anyway. Yeah. And I'm, I, I don't, I don't know what your journey was early on in the autism years, but I can use my imagination based on how mine was, yeah. <laughs> where a shower was a miracle. Closet, sleeping <laughs> yeah. with a pillow outside of his yeah. door because he didn't sleep, yeah. you know, locks turned around. Our house was like Fort Knox still to this day. 
you know, everything is locked. I mean, he was a, you know, he was a runner and he escaped. And oh yeah, we were there. So that, you know, a lot of that, and and I think that me personally, during this time, um, and, and still to this day, I still find myself trying to protect him, right? Like just in different ways throughout life. And I, I did that all along. And I think that like, I never felt comfortable sharing the things that were going on behind closed doors with people that didn't understand. Because the truth is, and I tell people this still to this day, when someone's life has not been impacted by autism, we can't expect them to understand. No. You know, I mean, people, if, if their lives have not been impacted by it, and granted, one in 35 children are diagnosed now, so more people have been impacted by it on some level. But if they haven't, we can't expect them to understand. Because if Jordan didn't have autism, it's not like I'd be running out and finding out about autism. No, I wouldn't. And so that was a lot of mine. A lot of mine was, you know, I hid a lot of stuff. I didn't talk about a lot of stuff that was happening. Um, I had, you know, the schools and the administrators and those people, they were looking to me for answers on how to help them. And I didn't have those answers. Yeah. You know, I was like, I'm just mom. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know why he finds the need to throw himself on the floor and scream and kick and tip over chairs. You know, I don't know. He doesn't like it here. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, literally, and it was because, you know, he had really big emotions that he didn't know how to communicate. And, you know, I think that one of the things that I realized with him through the years is, you know, he is very sensory sensitive to different, you know, fluorescent lighting is a big deal. Uh, you know, just having to take in all that information and filter out what's important and what's not is hard for him. Well, well, and I know during that time, me personally, it was like my, my self-care um, was non-existent. And like you mentioned about sleep, my child needed an hour and he was like, I'm good to go. This yeah. is, this is great. I'm, I'm good. And me and my husband were tag team. Um, yeah. And because it was right. And I had other children, you know, um, it was, it was definitely like, I don't want to say dark times because I wouldn't change it, but it was hard. It was, oh. it was hard and put a strain on our marriage, put a strain on, you know, the rest of the family unit relationship. Cause we didn't go anywhere. There was no vacation. Yeah. There was no nothing. Yeah. We're just now in the last couple of years able to go and stay somewhere else overnight because before he had to be in his bed at bedtime. There was no other bed, no other bed. He had to be in his bed at bedtime, which is hard for people to understand. You know, that's a hard thing. And it was hard for my other kids to understand. Well, how come we can't? Well, well we can't because, sure. because of Kate. You know, we can't because of Kate. Because it was just too hard. You know, and, it was too hard. You know, I was so lucky, like, during those times. Because I had I had a really great, you know, our softball family was just tremendously helpful for me through so many of those years. Because they really, you know, they would make sure Madison was getting to where she needed to they would make sure if I was there with Jordan that Madison was taken care of if she needed. So I had a big support system in that That's realm. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I didn't get a lot of sleep because he did not sleep. And that was always a big struggle for us. And you know, when you have a child that has behavioral issues and they're not sleeping, I mean, it just makes it worse. Because look, yep. when we're tired, we're cranky, you know, yep. and that's the truth. 
Um, so we had a lot of sleep issues. We had a lot of sensory issues. So like, you know, we had to cut the tags out of everything. You couldn't have tags. You had to get socks that didn't have lines on them because, you know, that would drive mm-hmm. them crazy. Uh, you know, through his IEP at school, they had uniforms at the school that they went to. And I had to have on his IEP that he did not have to wear a collared shirt. So he would wear the same color, but call, he couldn't wear collars. They would, they would just drive him crazy and distract him yeah. from, you know, learning. Um, and as far as me, I mean, I think that, you know, and I'll just be honest, like my childhood wasn't the greatest, to say the least. And so I was just very committed to being the best mom that I could be. And so, yes, I was totally focused on my children. And it wasn't until Jordan was about 14 or 15 that, you know, I started working with a coach because I, that was when I realized that he was going to need to be with me forever. Yeah. And at that point in my life, I was a single mom. Dave and I were dating, who, my husband now, we were dating them, but when we started dating, I had told him, listen, I have no desire to like get in a relationship. I'm, I'm not going to do anything until my children graduate high school. And, you know, that was, I think, I don't know, it was, they, they were still young, right? There were yeah. still like six years probably that he had to hang around the way. But that was just really important to me that I wanted to make sure that they knew that I was always choosing them and they were always going to be first. Um, so, you know, yeah, I probably, you know, let things go. And at the point when Jordan was 14 or 15, when I realized that he, I was going to have to get guardianship and he was going to need to be with me forever. That's a really tough pill to swallow. Oh yeah. And, you know, it's not an easy one for anyone by any means. And of course my thought process was, well, this is terrible. Like who's ever going to choose us as a package deal, right? Like, He's, we come together. Yeah. Not, you know, it's not just like, you know, you're going to be a empty nester. That's never going to happen. And so I really, when I started, you know, understanding that and learning coaching and how my thoughts, you know, how my thoughts were really impacting my life, it really made a huge difference. Well, and I know it's easier said, kind of like, coming out of like at this end of it now, but, you know, prioritizing your own well-being and your emotional well-being and trying to figure out, even if it's like literally 30 seconds to be able to just focus on yourself, it makes all the difference in the world. But it's hard to get in that space when you feel like you're just reacting all day long and you're barely keeping your head above water. And, you know, I ended up with a surprise pregnancy when um, Cade was about four and a half. So, like I ended up with with a newborn, so I have a newborn, and then a kid that's sleeping in an hour and I like I was like a shell of a woman. <laughs> like I was like a shell, right. and you know, it's looking back now, there was things you see that what happened. You took time for yourself. I did, and, and then, then I ended up with exactly. <laughs> I took I took enough time for that to happen, and bam, I got rewarded for it. I again, right. I wouldn't change it, but shoot, in those moments, I mean, those those were hard, and I think. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I would I really needed somebody to come up to me and say, listen, one minute, even if it's a cry for a minute to make sure they're on a safe but get to one minute, give yourself one minute. You can do one minute. Everybody can do one minute, even if you feel That's like right. you can't, because that literally would have given me something because, you know, it was it was rough because it's so such a challenge. And 
you know, there's so much stress on you during this. There's so much stress just in life anyway, and parenting and marriage and bills and all the things. But yeah. So then you add that to it. And again, it's this, this unknown language that you're having to try to decipher all day long. And, you know, that just adds to it. Do you have any strategies? Because I know, obviously, you're you've been on this journey for a long time and you work with moms all the time. Do you have any strategies or practices that you usually recommend to help reduce, you know, stress and anxiety for, you know, moms or dads or whoever that's, that's parenting or the caregiver for these autistic kids? Yeah, my, so the moms that I work with would tell you that I am a huge proponent of journaling and I, I'm a huge proponent of you celebrating your successes, no matter how small they are. Yeah. Because it's important that your brain is focused on what is working and the things that are going good. So I'll, I'll tell them, listen, I don't, you can take two minutes it, at night in the morning. Like I'm a morning person. Yeah, so I get up at 5 a.m. and I have two hours and 45 minutes before anyone in my house gets up. So that's my time. That's my yeah. time. I have coffee. I journal. I plan. I get on the treadmill for two miles. And then I get Georgia. But by the time I get him up, I'm already, like, I'm two hours into my day. So yeah. I'm good. And I think that's one of the things that I wish that I would have started when he was younger. Because I that has been just life-changing for me. And for my family. Like, yeah. I show up better for them. But I tell them, listen, I don't care if it's two minutes at night, in the morning, whenever you can do it. I want you to write down three reasons why you are a great mom. And that might mean that you decided to go through McDonald's drive through and get your kids dinner. Yeah. Because, you know, I think as moms, we, we should ourselves to that, right? I should have done this. I should have done that. All these things. And that's one of the worst things that you can do is talk about all the things that you should have done. Like, what did you do that was successful? And that's That's another thing that I talk about too, Maria, is have to, right? I have to cook dinner. And I tell them, no, you're lying to yourself. Like, you don't have to. There's plenty of parents that don't. You don't have to keep your job so you can keep medical insurance. There's plenty of parents that don't. We have grandparents in our membership who are raising their grandchildren because mom and dad decided not to. So you always have a choice. So instead of saying you have to do that, because that sounds hard before you even start, just kind of reframe that and just say, you know what, I get to do this. There's probably plenty of moms out there that wish they had the opportunity to cook dinner for their family. And I do not like it. (laughs) <laughs> it is not my favorite thing to do, and I don't live in a place where we have, uh, you know, Instacart or Uber Eats or any of that. Like, we don't have deliveries. I live in the middle yeah, of I, don't. I do, too. I do, too. <laughs> so, um, so, no, I don't like to do it, but when I do it, I'm like, dang, you are a good mom tonight. Look at you feeding your family. Well, and, and I think that, that I think that's a great thing for anybody out there is because, and and before I end up having, I, every single time I mention something about women, I inevitably I have a message. Well, guys do that too. So yes, the guys too, yeah. if it, if, if it affects you. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things we're so hard on ourselves and I, you know, I find myself doing better at it, but I'm not immune to it, you know, no, scrolling, you know, Instagram and you're like, Oh my gosh, look at their, 
clean house and I know what mine looks like at this moment. And I'm like, ah, you know, and yeah, it, you can't it, compare, you can't yeah. compare, you know, it's even inside our private membership. I mean, you know, we have, a, we have moms that are doing amazing things. We have moms that are at different parts of their journey. And I always tell them, don't compare mm -mm. because what's working for them is not where your family is right now. You know what? No. On a Saturday, you're staying home. He's happy. You're happy. Don't think that you should be at the fall festival. That would be a complete nightmare for your child at this point. Yeah. Right? No, absolutely. Well, and I, I think that's another, another thing, not, I don't, there's certain things I don't like. I don't like amusement parks. I'm not even autistic. I don't like amusement parks. And I was laughing earlier when you said fluorescent lights. I do not like fluorescent lights. I sit, like, I can't turn these off all the time. I'll sit in here in the dark with no shame. Like, sometimes I question yeah, myself you know, where I, I fall on the too. spectrum. Somewhere. Girls <laughs> are really yeah. good at masking. So maybe yeah. we've just done really good for all these years in masking some of our... I'll tell Jordan sometimes he'll do something and I'll go, you get that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get that for me. And you yeah. <laughs> I, I want to go to your community because you've men mentioned a community a few times and obviously supporting a community is imperative whenever you're going through something like this, but not a lot of people have it, especially in the early years. I had, I didn't uh, much because like what you were saying earlier, it's like, number one, how do you even reach out? And what would you even ask them to do? Like, what do you even ask them to do? Because you have no idea what your minute looks like, more or less a day, exactly. you know? You don't know where you need help. Absolutely. But there is this rise of, you know, support groups and stuff that maybe they were in existence, you know, whenever he was little, I but I, mean, I, I didn't know about them. More new. I, I think that, you know, obviously with social media and all those things, it's more new. Um, I will tell you, I, when I decided to do this, I basically, Maria, I created what I wanted. I created what I wish that I would have had yeah. when I was raising Jordan. So, you know, our private membership is, we basically have three different pillars that are inside. The first one is emotional support for mom's well-being. Like that's, I do a lot of coaching on thought work and managing your mind in the midst of chaos like sometimes you just have to throw your hands up and be like you know what yeah this sucks and this is chaos and this yep. is where we are right now don't resist it don't think it's not happening yes he's in the middle of the parking lot screaming and you're having to pick him up and drag him to the car i mean you're not going to have a good thought about that it doesn't doesn't make you happy so i do a lot of work with them on that and and i coach on a everything from you know marriages to relationships to you know all kinds of different things and then the other the second pillar is special education because again i know that parents need to know and understand special education so we have everything inside that a parent would ever need to know on special education and we do a lot of live events too so we have an education q a every month where they can come on and ask their own individual questions and then the community piece is, is what I needed. And these moms that are in our community are my village. Yeah. And they are literally as, they help me as much as I help them. Like, because I have a place now, right? I have a place to go on and be like, y'all, today was really hard. Yeah. They have that place. And, you know, maybe they need 
you know, it was just a, a really great day and they need somebody to, you know, tell them how awesome they are, you know, or maybe it was a really hard day and they need to tell us. Like, and the difference is, you know, there's a lot of groups out there, right? There's a lot of groups, there's a lot of things like that. The difference in our private membership is that we all know each other because we spend a lot of time together. So we know their kids. Like, even though it's virtually, like, we really, we know each other better than some people in our everyday lives. Yeah. Well, and that's, and, that's the difference. Well, and, and to be able to connect to that level, I think you do feel that you're able to open up a little more. And sometimes I think it's easier too to, at least at the first connection, to connect with someone that doesn't already have their preconceived notion on whatever you should or shouldn't be doing. Because I know that was a challenge with me too, with just family members was the, um, the, the resistance to accepting that his diagnosis was his diagnosis. Um, you know, oh, I think it's just, oh, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's, oh, yeah, and well, it, it is, you know? <laughs> and it, yeah, it's frustrating to have to keep re-explaining yourself. So, I mean, I can see it being a benefit to connect with people that maybe at first you don't know them. And, no, you right. know, they, it, it's a fresh perspective. And then you're able to kind of grow together without those preconceived notions and accidental biases, what I always say, because we all have them. We don't realize we have them. We all have them for with people we, we know. So, I mean, I think I can see that. And just to have people that you're able to, like you said, you know, share your tough days, share your small wins and victories. And sometimes they're small because yeah. I can remember the first time, and like I said, this was just a couple of years ago, but the first time that we were able to actually go on a family vacation, That's I was huge. like, it was so huge. It was and so huge because I was terrified. You, for you to go and, you know, it's kind of like, so we have a member whose son, you know, is 11. And he just started riding a bike. Well, if she goes and puts that on her public yep. page, people are yep. going to be like, what? Like, he's just yeah. riding a bike. And we're like, yay, way to yep. go. That's awesome. Yep. You know? So we normalize this. They all have their own timeline, which all kids have their own timeline anyway. But typically, obviously, with autism, it's it's del it's delayed from what is you know typical. Yeah. Um, and I think that that that's a huge thing. I I do want to ask you um, as far as you know connecting with the group. And I know you mentioned private. Do you have a a public page and then like where they can join private, or how does that how does that work? Yeah, we actually we actually have. We have a public, not your average autism mom page. And okay. then we also have a group that is um, the not your average autism mom movement, which is a group, but that's not the private membership. The private okay. membership, we only open three to four times a year. Um, we're actually gonna be opening November 2nd for five days. We only open it for five days, three or four times a year. And that's because, again, I don't wanna keep it open all the time because I want to get you in. I want you to get to know us. I want to get to know you. Like we, and look, we have a lot of members that are maybe not on social media. We have a lot of members that they haven't come out of their shell yet. It takes them a little longer sometimes. So they might be lurking in the background. But I can assure you that these moms that have been even lurking in the background for a year or two, they know all of us. They feel like they know all of us and our kids. Um, and so the private membership, like I said, it only opens up three or four times a year. And it is $44 a month. 
And so it's $11 a week. And when I did it, I really wanted to make sure that it was affordable for most families. And we did that. And I will tell you, I way over deliver. <laughs> they get way more than $11 a week because anyone that knows anything about special education training, about coaching, all of that is very expensive. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. You know, they have all of those resources inside the membership. Now, as, as far as kind of navigating this journey, I know I titled this kind of unplanned journeys. Um, what would you suggest, I guess, for people that are just embarking on this unplanned journey? Maybe they have a diagnosis, maybe they're suspecting a diagnosis, but that seems um, a very large thing, transforming that chaos into confidence at that very moment. Where would you suggest they start? Yeah, I think that, and, and I talk a lot about early intervention because early intervention is, I mean, it is so very important for children. And I know that as a mom, as a dad, if you're seeing delays, if you're seeing things that are different, things aren't, you know, you're concerned, I know you're scared, right? You're scared. And honestly, you don't want to know. You want to say, he's going to grow up. He's going to start talking. He's whatever. All those things that, you know, because every children's child develops in their own timeline. So you, and you're scared and you don't want to know because no one wants to have a child that's going to need additional help, right? With anything. But I do say, go get the evaluation. If you suspect that your child has a deficit of any kind, it, there's no downside to getting an evaluation. Like, the, you know, you might get the evaluation and they come back and say, you know what, he needs a little bit of speech therapy to catch up, but, you know, nothing else. Or they may come back and say, yes, we believe that he's on the spectrum or she's on the spectrum. But once that happens, then guess what? You can start early intervention. Because the whole goal is to bridge the gap, right? We always want to bridge the gap between where they are and where they should be. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bridge that gap. And so the earlier you can get them the intervention and the help they need, the more successful they will be in the long run. And I always say, you know, if they can get interventions at five, maybe by the time they transition from elementary school to middle school, they don't need those supports because you've given them to them. So that's my biggest piece of advice, is if you think that your child, if you suspect that there's anything delayed, just get schedule the evaluations. And here's the thing, many, most places are six months to three years to get an appointment to get an evaluation. Unfortunately, yeah. that's just what it is. You're not going to be able to wait and in three months decide, well, now I think I want to do it and call and get an appointment next doesn't work like that. No, absolutely. Well, and I think a lot of people don't realize that the, the information is actually empowering. It was for me. I, I wanted the information. Like, that's my personality anyway. But <laughs> I wanted the information because then I had, you know, the ability to figure out, well, how do I, you know, give his brain the best chance that it has to right. get, like you said, to, to, to bridge that gap? Because, you know, that it's not about, because I heard somebody say this one time, well, there's no cure for autism. So what's the point of that? Well, it's not about 
curing anything. It's about, like you mentioned, giving them the support that they need and also giving you as the parent the support that you need because it is a hard journey, especially if you've never experienced it before boots on the ground. If you didn't grow up in a household that also had an autistic individual or something, it's it's a whole different experience. And, you know, it's um, definitely not for the faint of heart, it's for sure. And having a support system can make all the difference in the world. Um, I'll make sure that the the links for your group and stuff are in the show notes. Um, okay. Okay. So this this if you're listening to this right now on the podcast platform, if you scroll down to the show notes, the link will be there. And I'll make sure for the people who find this live, you'll be able to find the links uh, for this as well. But I've I've really enjoyed having you on today. Um, I like I said, I feel like we can talk yeah. for a long, long time. We just kind of connected. Um, we, we did. Yeah, yeah. So that was yeah. good. I would just like to say, you know, one of the things that um, that I deal with a lot is, you know, acceptance is huge along this journey. And like what you yeah. were just saying, like you wanted that answer, right? Like you wanted that answer. And one of the things that I talk about is I, once I knew that Jordan was on the spectrum, I'm not one of those people, I never, the why never mattered to me, right? Like I wasn't one of those people that, dove into the why. My whole thing was just like you, Maria. I said, okay, now what? Right? Like, now what can we do to help make him live a productive, successful life? Absolutely. Well, and I am the very curious child that always asks why, but in this case, I I agree. And that's the the way that I have approached that too, because it it was already what it was. And so no amount of digging backwards would help him going forward so my effort was going forward and you know I, I there was different things that i tapped into just i always say what when you don't know what to do you do what you know so a lot of moms that i've met also we tap into the things that we do know you know maybe you're an educator and you start you know going that way for me i was in the world of nutrition so i started tackling it for that way because when you don't have any idea what to do you tap into the things that you are familiar with first and yeah and i'm excited because and i don't even know i don't even think that i told my members yet, but Maria's going to be uh, our guest host in November, and she's going to be talking all about um, autism, nutrition, and things like that. So that's going to be super exciting. I know they'll be excited. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited about it as well. I love being able to kind of share our journey with that because I do think it's helped him. You know, uh, it's you know we know that old adage we've heard it forever. You are what you eat, and so there has to be some truth to that. Yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. know, so it's 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 been something that you know I've kind of enjoyed sharing with people but again thank you so much for coming on here and i hearing your story and you know it really kind of brought back some memories with me um you know and it, again it makes me feel not alone and i know for listeners that are listening right now that have a child on the spectrum or maybe you're waiting on the diagnosis it's important to connect with somebody who does understand your journey because then it makes you feel not so alone. And I think that's one of the reasons that we connected right away is because autism moms, we can like see each other in a crowd. Exactly. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. Hey. yeah, you've, you've been there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening to Successfully Chaotic. We're here to inspire your journey from chaos to clarity. And if you're not already a subscriber, if you would just hit that subscribe button, we would really appreciate it. And again, Shannon, thanks so much for coming on today. Absolutely. No telling where